You're listening to The Retail Perch with Shaka Raman and Gary Hawkins. We're going to discuss industry challenges and opportunities in grocery retail, AI, current and upcoming trends, and so much more. Uh, hey folks, welcome back to another episode of The Retail Perch. It's good to be back again here with you, Gary. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing great. Thanks, Shaker. You know, getting ready to head into the July 4th weekend here, but uh, looking forward to a great session here today. Yeah, absolutely. I think by the time this episode actually comes out, it will be the 4th of July already. And I hope you guys are having a great time there. Again, I want to thank you guys for supporting this podcast, listening to us. Hopefully we're putting out some interesting conversations and topics that we're covering here. And today is again, a very unique topic. I don't think we've ever touched this before. You know, I think we're on episode number 38. So that's a lot of episodes to go before we touch something like this. But uh, Gary, you want to uh, invite our amazing guest here onto the show? Sure. So Olga, welcome to uh, the Retail Perch today. Looking forward to our discussion. And if you would, maybe take a few minutes, introduce yourself, your background, how you got into operations, what you're doing today, and, and talk to us a little bit about what your company does. Hi, Gary. Hi, Shakar. I am a marketer by trade. I spent 15 years in the consumer packaged goods industry in various marketing roles. I was a brand manager, consumer promotions manager. I did shopper marketing for the last six and a half years of my corporate career. And that's where I discovered um, that I have passion for systems and process improvement and automation of the enterprise operations. Essentially, what I discovered is that um, there was a lot of work that I did that was very manual and efficient, and that could have been made better and simpler and more transparent, and could have armed me and my colleagues with better insights about our business. So we tried to build a software while I was still at my shopper marketing job that helps us automate marketing planning, budget management, countering, and reporting uh, to our finance and other stakeholders. But it was really challenging to do while you were inside a corporation when you have a day job. So what I realized later is that this needs to be done. Uh, other colleagues in the industry that I spoke with also had similar pain and they were struggling to get organized. And I had a chance to take a severance package because the company was reorganizing. And I figured I should probably try to do it myself because it wasn't working when you're just doing this as a side project. It was just very difficult to focus on it. So and that's what I did. It was uh, pretty much, yeah, this last month, it was seven years since I left the corporate America and I've been on my own and Gary and I, we spoke, I think when I was just in my year one or two of shop operations. Yeah, I, I think wow. that's right. Yeah. It's uh, it's been an amazing journey and uh, I'm here to share it and tell you more about it. I just, I'm here just to explain that it's possible to have a career after CPG. That's not in CPG. <laughs> uh, and there's other avenues that are available to people who have experience like mine beyond consulting or working for companies who are vendors or service providers. So just um, wanted to share my experience and in inspire others to That's improve. So, so you basically were in an industry, you saw some gaps, you saw some pain points, and you figured that you have a solution that can address those pain points, and you went about building it. That's, yeah. that's terrific. That's fantastic. So and clearly you, you've been in the industry long enough. So how was the jump to entrepreneurship? I mean, were you was there butterflies in your stomach on going off <laughs> on your own? Many of them. Yeah. I, I always wanted to be an entrepreneur. In fact, like my belief is you come to America because this is where you do your own thing. I just didn't know what exactly my own thing was going to be. I dabbled. I tried to try like side projects and little hobbies, turn them into businesses, but nothing really was sustainable or 
sustain my interest enough to actually satisfy my curiosity and also provide financial <laughs> incentive to actually do that. But I think this was kind of like an, an interesting moment where I could see how I can transfer my experience. So it's not like last 15 years in the industry were lost and I'm starting from scratch. I felt like I could convert that into something, but it was also different enough for me to do something that it was scary. I've never done software development. Um, I'm not a developer myself. Obviously, I'm a marketer. And I think I was very naive and I didn't realize how hard it was going to be because everybody thinks that entrepreneurship may be glorious. It is to some extent, but it's also very grueling. And if I knew how hard it was going to be, then I probably wouldn't have started. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think a lot of entrepreneurs say that. Yeah. Yeah. The first year was the most uplifting one because you haven't heard no enough times to kind of be down on yourself and people most people are encouraging they're like yeah go and figure it out <laughs> but then when you have a product to sell and they actually have to write checks that's when it gets a little bit harder well you should so, try starting a company in an area that you don't have zero experience in we know somebody who's done that so <laughs> i don't i don't even know how they did it because like i had this <laughs> unwavering like belief that this is a needed solution because I lived through the pain. If I wasn't an expert in a domain, if I didn't live through the pain myself, I think, I don't think that I could have done it because enough people tell me no, and I would have believed them. (laughs) I've told, I've heard a lot of no's, but I still didn't believe them. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's the trade of an entrepreneur, right? They're willing to kind of, I guess, uh, bet on themselves versus the rest of the world and just stick with their own gut and their own belief. That's fantastic. Congratulations to you. And I was just uh, checking out your website and it was very impressive, the list of clients that you put together over the years here. But tell us a little bit more about exactly what does shop operations do? I mean, what's the uh, basic product here? Uh, yeah, so if you're in the CPG industry, you're probably familiar with the trade promotion management software, which helps you organize your checkbooks and manage all the trade funds that you have with your retail partners. It's a very similar idea, uh, but it's for everything that's non-trade, everything marketing. Um, and it needed to be created 20 years ago when I was just starting as a brand manager. I don't know why the industry hasn't cut up at that point and why we don't have enough automation. Marketers by far are still in Excel documents and just have too many PowerPoints flying around and um, Excel documents and Word documents. So it's very dis- disorganized, unstructured data. Marketers uh, in CPG up until recently had tended to think about big ideas, insights, the emotional connection with consumers and shoppers, less about data. Um, less about KPIs, less about analytics, because first we didn't have enough data and now we do, we have so much data, but it's really hard to measure because you don't know what to measure. What happens typically is when it's time to do market mix analysis or any sort of analytics, they hire an expensive vendor who comes in and says, yeah, we'll do it. We have fancy models, but we need raw materials to put in. And what happens is that they don't, marketers don't remember the details of everything they spent because they don't track it in a consistent and very structured way. So they have to fill out spreadsheets that the vendors provide them by hand to explain what they did and the quality of data that goes into that model. It's very questionable because you have to remember after the fact and the naming conventions are all over the place. The way people describe the same thing on different teams may be, may be different. So that's the problem we're fixing. We're providing a place for marketers to put their budgets in to understand that tactical details behind every budget line item, timing, um, specific products that are promoted, um, vendors you're working with, uh, retail customers that are partnering with you to activate this, and then national programs that are run across multiple retailers as well. 
And then you can uh, query this information during the process of planning and execution so you can stay connected with your internal stakeholders and answer questions quickly and make changes to your plans on the fly. But then the raw materials coming out of it is wonderful um, input into your whatever models you're using to analyze your marketing spend. So mm -hmm. that's where we really are strong. We're talking about planning upfront and then managing the execution all the way to the time when you're ready to do marketing analysis. All of this has not been st structured up until recently, and we're now in the precipice of this tidal wave where marketers are finally starting to understand the importance of organizing their data and their inputs and managing their plans in a more strategic and uh, structured way. Uh, so, so it's kind of like a Microsoft project, but focused around shopper marketing. You know, where... Yeah, you could say that. It's, it's less about like managing the deliverables. It's all about like, how do I spend my money? What are the flying buckets of dollars that I get from different brand P&Ls? Because most clients that we have are very large multi-brand corporations, and they have lots and lots of funding buckets that need to be tracked. But then also uses of funds. How am I investing in different tactics across different channels, different brands? And how do I create scale programs or brand solo programs? All of that is trackable here. So you can always at any moment pull up and explain very specifically what is going on with the dollars that I'm getting. So it creates accountability and uh, you can trace every dollar from the source where it comes from the specific line on the brand PL to the um, place where it's actualized in your accounting system and you get bills and it ties back to the budget. Got it. Well, what, what about the feedback mechanism? Are you also measuring the impact of these campaigns in terms of uh, you know, what's resulted from it? Yeah, everybody wants to measure. That's kind of like the holy grail of CPG marketing. Everybody wants to understand the ROI. I have two points of view. First of all, there's a lot of people who do this. I don't want to compete with them. I think, I think there's fantastic companies that have very advanced machine learning and uh, artificial intelligence algorithms that really could do a really good job, but they struggle with getting the raw data uh, to put into that model. So I encourage any analytics vendor who is interested in um, this sort of capability where they're looking for standardized, very detailed, very granular inputs into, into their analytics models to reach out and see if we can have partnerships. Because I think truly, I don't want to be the queen of all, the, the jack of all trades. I really want to focus on operations. But we also do start realizing that sometimes marketers don't really need fancy analytics. They just want to see some basic facts. Like when I do this program at Walmart during these weeks, is there a sales lift? Uh, and I don't even need to build a regression model to attribute that sales lift to shopper marketing activity. I just want to see, is there a blip on the radar? And are we on, in my sales team and I, are we on the same page in terms of the performance of this particular product at Walmart? And are we driving traffic to the category? Those are the basic facts that are available in Nielsen, Retail Link, and I, IRI, uh, whatever data sources they use. We just, what we're doing right now for our clients is we dynamically bring the investments, marketing investments from shoperations with the syndicated data that comes from your syndicated partners in a dashboard environment. So that allows them to automate all of the work that they used to do either themselves manually very slowly or beg for resources from the category management or a sales analytics team to just do some one-off analysis. Uh, marketers in CPG, um, as you may know, are very starved for analytics and they don't have analytics resources on staff usually. They usually have to ask for other departments to help them and pitch the resources in. And it's just not sustainable. They only measure a very small fraction of their spend. So what we're solving here is we're automating the work that's already being done. It's not rocket science, but we're doing this in a very elegant and very sustainable and very easy way. So marketers can spend time elsewhere and then they, we give them initial insight on where to dig. Like if you're seeing that there is no sales lift at all and you invested $2 million in this program, there must be a reason. This is where you should dig. And then if you have a 
large sales lift. Some of it may be due to price investment. Some of this may be due to national advertising. Some of this may be due to shopper marketing. It doesn't matter what, but if there is a general sales lift and you see happy, you get merchandising um, activation and uh, retailer support, um, keep doing that. So it's that sort of basic insight that sometimes people um, are just craving. Um, so uh, mm. I guess what we're providing is we're providing basic analytic sales lift analysis, but then anything else that our clients want to do with that data that we generate in operations, they can apply it, put in their data lake and apply it to different uh, analytic streams. Got it. Uh, Got so, it. so what, you know, through your platform, then you're seeing a lot of activity from the brands. What, what trends are you seeing in brand marketing, you know, whether it's shopper marketing specifically or their, their other uh, marketing budgets? That's a great question. First of all, what I've saw in the last couple of years is that the consumer promotions bucket, which used to be pretty standard uh, thing uh, across the CPG enterprise, where you invest in on-pack promotions, News America vehicles in store, as well as the FSIs, it's being disbanded or significantly reduced. I think we'll know that FSIs are no longer performing as well as they used to. They're a lot smaller. And essentially, the whole job of consumer promotions is now being rebranded, dis dispersed, and the, the, the funding goes into e-commerce activation and then retail-specific activations like retail media platforms. So those are the two major trends is like e-commerce, marketing, just making sure that we have uh, drive people to our online shelf. And the second one is uh, figuring out how to partner with retailers using their new retail media platforms. And as you know, there's a lot of pressure to invest in retail media. So yeah. <laughs> that's kind of the path of least resistance. We're taking FSI dollars or like national consumer promotions dollars and putting against that. So yeah. those are the, the major trends that I see right now. So, you, know, you know, there's been tremendous, I guess, interest and traction in the retail media. I yeah. mean, a lot of these companies have focused on it in the last couple of years. So. And I, I think staying with that thought for a moment here, uh, how effective are you seeing those initiatives that, that spend in the different retail media platforms? It's a good question. Um, they're very expensive. And I think the question is who's going to prevail. There is a lot of pressure from retail to invest in retail media, but their cost per impression and cost per conversion are extremely high compared to generic media platforms. And there is conversations as far as I know about whether the price is right. But the question is, what's the alternative? Can you afford not to do it? So. I think they're working, they're performing. They definitely can trace the sales lift. You can see track conversions. And the beauty of this is that you actually can see each individual shopper behavior. You can see their basket. You can see exactly what happens when you expose them to a retail media uh, campaigns. The question is, can you profitably do this? For some brands that are dollar brands, for example, it may not be ever attainable. For companies that have large price ticket items and solid margins, this may be very lucrative and still makes sense. So I guess it depends on the category and the client. But I think in general, retail media, the way that they track it is the way to go. I think the price point um, is exactly what the problem, the rub is right now. Yeah. Right. Interesting. So I see that uh, on your website that you also have a, a product that's, that can be targeted for retail marketers, right? Mm -hmm. Not just brands. Yep. So how do retailers use your product? They don't. <laughs> <laughs> so that was my one of the early ideas that operations had is that to create a brand. I don't. I, I'm not giving up on that yet. I think it's still um, there is a reason to be and there is a future for that. But the question is, 
whether this is going to be the next thing we work on or there's other more interesting opportunities. But um, my idea was that operations, because I have experience in shopper marketing and I've been on CPG side, but also understand retailer point of view. And I saw a need to, for them to collaborate and manage the campaigns better. I created a portal that allows marketers on the retail side to say, we're interested in these sort of partners. We're publishing out um, sponsorship opportunities to draw investors or uh, sponsors for like back to school campaign, for example, thematics or ongoing evergreen campaigns, and then manage the conversation to see who's interested to solicit CPG bids and then approve and continue executing and collaborating with them in terms of building out marketing plans. So that's the MVP that I built. I had a potential partner on the retail side that was interested, but that didn't work out. So it's still available in the MVP format. So if any retailers are listening and they feel a pain in terms of managing all of these multi-CPG, multi-brand scale promotions to automate that and simplify, I'm happy to do a pilot. This would be a first, and I'm looking for partners who are patient and who are interested in putting their fingerprints on it because it's it, it could be whatever you guys imagine in the future. Hmm. Listen, you heard it first here on Retail Perch that Olga is offering a pilot for retail <laughs> operations. Yes. So, so uh, another question for you, Olga. From your perspective, how important is customer data? And by that, I mean customer identified purchase data, right? Mm-hmm. And do you, th- from your perspective, do you think that companies like a Kroger that possess that data have an advantage over retailers like a Publix that do not have that data? Okay. Yes, I think it's very important. Uh, in fact, I think Kroger has been so successful because they figured out how to use it. One of their first uh, retailers in the marketplace on how to monetize their customer data. I worked on Kroger account at Canagra for six and a half years, and I was using their customer level data every single day. That was the language we used to talk to customer, to negotiate with them, to pr- build together uh, presentations, to convince our internal brand teams to do certain things in order to win at Kroger. It was a huge advantage. And I know that they charged a lot of money for that, but then they also created an incentive for us to invest more at Kroger because we could see exactly what's happening. I don't know how Target is actually competing with them right now. I I don't know what they're thinking (laughs) and how, how, I I don't know how hard it is. I, I don't have a lot of experience working on the Target account. So it's hard for me to imagine like what sort of personalization opportunities they have and how they can technically compete with companies like Kroger. Kroger is doing a fantastic job with what they can do with their data. I also feel like it's extremely important because it creates the different kind of dynamic between the CPG and retailers. Uh, CPGs, I think, lost their chance to own customer data a while ago. Retailers became manufacturers, but manufacturers never became true retailers. So Mm -hmm. I think there is differently a disbalance of power uh, in this whole conversation. And uh, I always tell people, I want to have a relationship with my retailer. I don't mind giving them data about what I do and how I use my uh, budget and what sort of uh, behavior I have online, because they will provide better shopping experience for me. I do not want to have a relationship with a consumer package brand. I, don't, I just have too many of them and I'm not loyal enough to them to because the, the, transac- the relationship is a lot more transactional. So I don't know how CPG, to be honest, is going to recoup from this and how they're going to leverage the, the fact or how they'll, they'll be able to compensate for the fact that they do not have as strong of a CRM capability as the retailers do. I think the, the shift of the profitability, like where retail has a tiny profit margin and CPG have a lot bigger, that's probably going to change. Yeah, and that's probably partially driving the growth of retail media because maybe the CPGs feel they're in the transaction with the customer and able to drive at least some awareness and you know real-time uh, connection 
when they're in the process of making that purchase, right? Mm -hmm. So that's 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 great. So I, I also saw something interesting in your when you're on your site, and I'd love to have you explain a little bit more, which is called I think vendor stand, mm -hmm. right? And yeah. so what is vendor stand? Is it a new country or? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's a land of vendors. <laughs> Uh, literally, it's uh, stand means land, um, right. and vendor is a place where you can uh, vendor stand is a place where you can discover new vendors. This is an idea that's been in the making many years ago. What I've learned, every CPG marketer and their agency have a spreadsheet where they keep track of all of the vendors and tactics and lead times and cost assumptions, just to stay sane because this environment, this landscape evolves very fast, and there's so many options to spend your dollars with along the path to purchase and different tactics that work better for certain brand objectives or not. And everybody comes up with their own framework. And when I discovered that every single client that I work with at their agencies and brokers, they have a version of that spreadsheet. It just clicked in my head that we need to have an industry standard. Like we need to have one place where everybody can find each other. So vendor stand essentially is a two-sided, it's not even marketplace because it doesn't have any transactions today. But it's like a yellow pages catalog, a directory where as a marketer, I can peruse through the system, filter and browse and search by keyword or by, for example, if I only have two weeks left in my fiscal year and I want to spend that money, like who can turn things around in less than two weeks? So lead times, uh, KPIs or targeting capabilities. Uh, you can search uh, for tactics, um, discover vendors who provide those tactics very quickly, and then reach out through vendor stand just to ask for more information. And for marketers, it's great because, first of all, you don't have to maintain your spreadsheet because vendors themselves maintain uh, the information and they keep it up to date. And um, they can do it privately. They don't have to expose their email addresses unless they reach out and start asking questions. So it's very discreet, very easy to use right now. And uh, we're looking for people to sign up and give us feedback. It's still pretty new. Vendors on the other side, um, for them, it's also free and uh, they can create a simple profile to describe what their company does and then build a catalog of tactics, just describe different media services that they provide in a very succinct view. We only have like a one page survey they have to complete per service. And it renders a simple tactic uh, grid that shows you along the path to purchase and according to brand objectives, where does this tactic play? So we can create a mental map and help marketers understand quickly the essence of what you're offering. And then provide, it actually allows you to upload rich media, like a uh, link to your videos on YouTube or Vimeo, and then show some showcase some case studies. And then it's a freely gen platform for them. Um, eventually there will be some sort of premium membership or placement services, like in yellow pages, you have free listings and then you have some premium capabilities. Um, I haven't figured out monetization strategy yet because I feel like it just needed to exist. So I invested $50,000 to build it so far because I felt like there's definitely a need and it's my gift to the industry. I'm hoping that everybody can register and take advantage of it and help me figure out like what's the value that it provides? Like what should I be charging? Because right now I don't have any idea. Got it. Got it. So, so it's really a place for kind of like a, um, I guess, a watering hole where you can have all the vendors come together, put their information. And if I'm a brand and I'm looking to execute uh, a campaign, I can quickly identify which vendors work best for me. Right. Yeah. And it also allows you to, for example, if you feel like your tactical arsenal is a little stale and you want to upgrade and you're looking for new like e-commerce tactics or new digital capabilities or voice activated capabilities or specific like connected TV capabilities, things that you haven't tried and you need to test and learn. I know that a lot of clients have like a mandate to like carve out a small portion of their budget to test and learn new things. So that's a fantastic way to discover new things that are on the radar 
and they're popping up. If you sign up every Thursday, you'll get a little digest email that says, here's everything new that's just been registered on the platform. So you can keep tabs on what the, hmm. what the either competitors are doing or what your vendors, potential vendors are up to. And I'm thinking of it like a, a LinkedIn for shopper marketing the size, yeah. right? So whether it's the yeah. brand side or the vendor side who executes these. Exactly. Yeah. And I think we, we worked in the past with some of these vendors, you know, doing some pilots like a Westrock who would put up, mm-hmm you know, in-store displays and- Exactly, yeah. In, in fact, Vestrock, you need to take over your profile and start populating content because you're a pre-registered. <laughs> I preloaded like 300 something vendors. <laughs> yeah, everybody, pretty much, if you can think of a vendor that CPG industry works with, they already are in vendor stand. They just need to go and take over their profile. We already have your logos, your website URLs, and some basic information. Uh, I'm just hoping you guys can like clean it up and make sure it's accurate and up-to-date. That's nice. awesome. Nice. So, so, so where do you so, where do you see CPG marketing going? I mean, I, we we talked about this interesting tussle, right? Who owns the customer? And I guess uh, you know your your opinion is that it's kind of it's lopsided, right? In terms of the powers, and I think I think I I understand where the CPGs are coming from, which is ultimately you're buying their products, so they feel they need to have a relationship with you, but you're buying it at the retailer and the retailer feels, you know, this is my premises and I own this, right? So where do you see, do you see some kind of collaboration evolving where it's a win-win strategy for where both parties kind of can achieve their objectives in a reasonable manner? I am so like afraid of making any predictions because COVID last year (laughs) basically disrupted everything. And but you're right. I think I think that data is very important and ability to share data in a way that doesn't um, make retailers concerned about how the data is handled is going to be important. I know that many retailers already are starting to create these safe environments where marketers can go in and mine their data and uh, without exposing the individual like personally identifiable information. Yeah. So the more robust that capabilities, because CPG still has a lot of very smart people that have good resources, good ideas. For retailers, they just need to harness that talent and create a collaborative environment that will create a win-win for everyone. I think it's possible. It's just a matter of, is the technology evolving? And this can we build trust? And can we have enough successful use cases where people will start doing more of it? Got it, got it. Gary, you had a question? Yeah. So, yeah, back to uh, your platform briefly. You know, I know when we spoke some years ago now, you know, the original focus was around sharper marketing, which at the time was sort of the big growth area. But today, your platform's addressing really all different types of CPG spend with retail, right? From sharper marketing to trade promotion to retail media networks, et cetera. That's an excellent question. So shopper marketing has been rebranded by most clients. Now commerce marketing, shopper activation, omni-channel. And uh, what I realized, I was actually threatened when I started seeing that trend. I'm like, oh my gosh, am I in a dying industry? But I don't think it's the case. So anywhere you have activation dollars where you need to spend your funds and track where it's coming from and how it's being used, the dollars are not going away. They're just morphing into different forms of marketing activation spend. So my clients use operations to track their traditional in-store activity, just like they used to, the retail media activity that's growing, the search activity, the e-commerce marketing activity. The only thing we don't really manage is trade because there is a lot of trade management software and it typically are managed in a different department in the CPG space. So it would be trade promotions or uh, sales teams that will use TPM systems. We're only on marketing. So anything that's non-price 
non-trade would be relevant for shop operations. Okay. So what's the vision for shop operations? Where, where are you guys going? Yeah. What, what do you see over the next five years? Yeah. So I think vendor stand, I created that um, because I felt like it was already needed, but I think my longer term goal and vision is that it will become part of shop operations and it will actually organically integrate. The reason why I say that is that we, we have syndicated sales data that clients buy and it's easy to attain. We can create dashboards with that, but we don't have what we don't have right now is standardized, dynamically available data from media vendors to uh, measure the KPIs for individual media campaigns. Clients get results in a form of PowerPoint presentations usually, and they know whether the things worked or not, but it's really hard for them to compare apples to apples, like different media vendors or different campaigns they ran uh, across different brands or different time periods even. So what I'm looking for is to do democratize this media performance data and create a sort of industry standard uh, in order for clients to be able to easily process and get the raw data from their media vendors. So one of the questions we ask is how can you share data? Do you have APIs or websites where you can provide raw data? That's important for us because we want to become that hub where all the media performance results come in so clients can see impressions and clicks and all the conversion rates if not in real time, because sometimes it's impossible, but very, very quickly, as soon as the campaign is over to quickly make decisions about what needs to be uh, repeated or stopped. Got it. Fascinating. I think, I think obviously, you know, we, when we talk to retailers, uh, you know, in the marketing department and they're focused on, uh, you know, and this is in the, within the retail industry, they're, they're, there's, I think, enough pain there when they're trying to execute their own internal programs uh, and maybe, you know, it's also a case of bandwidth of being able to have CPGs and retailers collaborate. If you're like a mid-sized retailer and you only have like a five, six person marketing team, they're, they're already in over their heads running their own internal, you know, planning their weekly ads and figuring out what to do the trade promotions. Mm-hmm. You find uh, enough bandwidth to then actually collaborate with brands on multiple campaigns that the brands want to activate. I can see where the challenge is. So clearly... If there's a big need for some, some platform that'll streamline and make this a much more simpler, frictionless yeah. process here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. No, fascinating. I, I think this has been this has pretty been pretty uh, a lot of fun. I mean, obviously, we we are in live in the world of data, and we see how underutilized uh, shopper data is. You know, in fact, last week, previous episode, the last episode we did was with another startup that works with data privacy. And we were talking about, you know, and, and in case you missed the episode, you might want to go back for those who are listening uh, with Ashish Shraudi, who's the CEO of Dive Bell. And we're looking at, you know, how are retailers managing their data? You know, how are they handling PII data? And I guess just a week before that, there was the news of the Wegmans data breach that happened. So mm-hmm. it became really important, I guess. And, you know, as shoppers, I think, start becoming more aware and more conscious about where the data lies. And they ultimately want some control over who gets to access my data, use my data, and is being resold, right? I think people are getting more and more aware of the fact that, you know, and and I guess all the states are now bringing in laws where you can ultimately go to a, a retailer or a brand and say, hey, I want you to delete my data, I guess, you know, and... And it's interesting what all of that does to you know, marketing companies, right? Because they're, they're built their entire businesses around having access to some of this data. Like I think uh, Apple recently announced that their mail app is going to allow shopper, uh, allow users to control whether, you know, the opens will be reported back to the sender. 
Right. Yes. Yeah. Apple is on the forefront of this data privacy because every time you're downloading the app, they're asking, do you want to be tracked? And <laughs> which right. is wonderful. Like, I like, appreciate no. being asked. Yeah. You know, it's, it's kind of like a interesting question because most people are going to say no. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I think 80%, 90%. I think that's what happened to Facebook. I think 80% of the people who upgraded their app said no. Uh, so has massive impact on, um, you know, advertising and how do you reach the shopper and, I guess more and more people are going to start depending on the primary source, which is retailer first party data. You know, I think there's going to be more power in the hands of the retailer to yes. engage with the shoppers. And we've got to figure out some collaborative platform between brands and retailers where, you know, data can be shared responsibly. So absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I also know a startup that works on the idea where consumers have control of exactly what data they generate and then how they want to share so you essentially create a transactional you, you assign value to it and you decide as a consumer what do you want to do what are you willing to part with and how much money you want in return right. uh, yep. which is makes a lot of sense to me yeah that's very yeah. transparent fascinating well Olga, this has been uh, an incredible conversation i mean i've enjoyed it because it's been you know very new space that we seem to be getting into here and you know, uh, one of the things that we do here in the Retail Perch is that we're going to ask you for your address so we can ship you a Retail Perch mug, a coffee <laughs> mug. And awesome. hopefully, you know, we'll, we'll kind of connect back here and you'll be back on the show and we'll hear more about uh, Wenderstan and how that's moving and uh, the progress that you've been having. But it's been a fascinating conversation. I wanted to thank you for your time. Gary, any thoughts before we... Uh, no, this has been great, Olga. It's great to uh, connect with you again and, and catch up and wish you all the uh, best as you continue forward. Yeah, terrific. And if there are any brands listening out there, retailers listening out there, you know, you can obviously send us an email to retailperch.com or go to shoporations.com and connect with Olga there. She is doing some amazing stuff. So congratulations on all the progress. And, uh, you know, we're going to be looking out for shoperations in the news here. So any closing thoughts, Olga, that you'd like to tell our listeners before we... No, I really appreciate you having me on the podcast. It's been a pleasure. And um, I'll stay in touch. I'll I'll send you some Shoperations swag too. So awesome, awesome. I think this, this episode should be out in a few days and you know, you'll know you get a link to it. Feel free to share with your network. And uh, you know I think you have some great thoughts and you have a great product too. So. Thank you. Appreciate yeah. it. By the way, by the time you guys get to hear this, this 4th of July will be done. I hope you guys had a wonderful 4th of July and a safe one. Make sure to join us every Monday and connect with us at The Retail Perch on Instagram and Facebook. And if you have any questions, feel free to email us at theretailperch at birdseye.com. Until next time, this is Shaker. And this is Gary, signing off. Mm-hmm.